What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday, and welcome into Blue Wire Studios inside the Win Las Vegas for Bet to Win. I'm your host, Joe Fan. Big Thursday show, my guy, Nick Dayus, coming on the show to preview UFC 278 and talk NFL preseason with the second slate of games upcoming this weekend, starting on Thursday night. But first, I have another L to hold, unfortunately. My second straight first five under that's a loser. I bet it at three and a half. It went four each time. Somehow, some way, the Mariners scored two runs off Shohei Otani, and the Angels scored two against Luis Castillo. Still trying to figure out how the heck that happened, but the second straight loss I take by the hook. Hoping to get back in my winning ways. I'm going to make a uh, collab pick. A little parlay action on UFC 278 I'm going to put together with my guy, Nick Days. Let's bring him in now. He's the host and founder of Blue Wire's Veterans Minimum Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Nick Day is 10 Not only is he back on the show, but he is soon to be Las Vegas's newest resident. The man's making the move from New York out to Sin City. Nick, what's up, man? I'm pumped with this news. Round of applause here in Blue Wire <laughs> Studios for that breaking news. Hey, man, Joe, I appreciate it, dude. Thanks for having me on the show often. I enjoy this. It's one of my favorite moments of the week. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to get out there. And uh, I'm looking forward to this card, as always, and, and to chop it up with you. Let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to talk, start with UFC 278, uh, a top-heavy card, and then we'll move to the NFL preseason, maybe some props and futures that, that you've looked at uh, as we inch closer to the 2022 NFL regular season. Um, let's just start from the top and go down to UFC 278. We get the Nigerian nightmare once again, Kamaro Usman at minus 405, a favorite in the welterweight title bout against Leon Edwards. Both of these fighters are hot. Usman looking for a record, uh, what is it, 15 straight wins in the UFC. He goes against Leon Edwards, who also hasn't lost in some time. Um, back in 20, uh, what, when it, 2015, these guys fought very different fighters since then. Uh, this The odds, obviously, say Usman's going to win it running away, but is there more intrigue uh, to this fight than the line suggests? Yeah, uh, I don't feel as if uh, that's going to be the case. Uh, I got, it, it's a dog, it's a dog week this week, Joe. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll start like with that. Um, so here's the thing, right? I love that you mentioned that the two fighters are nowhere near the two fighters they were seven years ago. Uh, a lot of times we do see rematches often, especially when you have a a champion as dominant as Usman. But and then like if they lose the title fight or something like that, they'll run it back. We just saw Nunez and Pena not too long ago. But that was within a six month time frame. That was the last time that we saw one another. I think one thing that I like doing is when there is a rematch, go back and rewatch that original fight. I'm not doing it with this one. Because like you said, it's been seven years. The two fighters are polar opposites of what they once were. It, they're better now, and they're both in their prime, which is fascinating. Uh, Leon Edwards is a very, very interesting character in the UFC. And, and I don't mean character like his antics or whatnot, but this is a guy who, for the longest time, he couldn't get fights. People didn't want to fight him. He was sort of the, uh, the boogeyman in that division, Usman once being the boogeyman. But you know, when COVID originally hit Joe in March of 2020, there was a headliner fight in London, his hometown, against Chemaev, a guy who Chemaev, nobody wanted to fight Chemaev. And Leon's like, dude, I want this guy. Like, yeah, give me him. I, I just want to fight. And then COVID hits. 
and you know the whole world shuts down. And then he couldn't get a visa to come back into the States. And then he finally gets a fight against Bilal Muhammad, gets a main event, fight ends off an eye poke in the second round, but he completely outclassed Bilal Muhammad, who is a top five welterweight in the UFC for the seven or eight minutes that that fight was going on. So the thing that I'm very intrigued by, Joe, in this one is I think Leon Edwards being a plus 300 or more underdog is uh, a mistake to me. I think he is the best fighter that Kamaru Usman has fought since he got his, his, uh, his title. And I know I'm a Colby Covington guy, but Colby Covington is a fighter who doesn't have a lot of power, right? He beats you with the cardio and the wrestling. He didn't wrestle against Usman. Leon is a far superior striker than any of the guys that have fought Usman in the last couple of fights. And he has power as well. And he has good enough takedown defense where I think he could stuff some takedowns against Kamaru Usman. And, and the most alarming thing for me, Joe, with Kamaru as a minus 405 favorite, as we're looking at it right now, is that he's been rocked in pretty much all of his last couple of fights. Uh, and Colby doesn't have power. Colby beats you on volume. He'll hit you with seven, eight-piece combinations. And it's more so like the Max Holloway, Nate Diaz effect of it's an accumulation of 100-plus strikes that ultimately puts you down. But Leon has some knockout power. And I think Leon being a three-to-one dog, uh, my money's going to be on Leon. Okay. Just because the, the, the line is wrong, in my opinion. And I think it should be a way closer fight than uh, what the odds are telling you. Edwards hasn't lost since that fight against Usman in 2015. Uh, and then Usman going for his 16th straight win would tie a record set by Anderson Silva. Do you think this thing goes the decision or goes the distance or does it finish early? So that's uh, th- that's the most popular pick. Is it going the distance? Because Leon Edwards in his last seven fights, with the one exception being the early stoppage because of the eye poke, uh, they've, they've been decisions. And Usman has always been a decision guy until recent since he moved his camp over to Trevor Whitman out west. Uh, he's been getting a lot of finishes too. I think fight goes the distance and the over four and a half rounds is how I would play it. But I think off volume and Usman, I don't think he's going to engage as much as he would do with the other guys. What happens sometimes, Joe, is I know you like to ask about like the striker versus grappler or wrestler versus striker. Yep. Those, uh, those, those styles coming at, coming ahead. Leon is a, he has great cardio. He'll push the pace on you. And he's a, a very, very good striker. So I don't know if Usman's going to be trying to walk him down like he was doing the other guys. So I think the fight going the distance is probably the most uh, logical and, and like it's the favorite to be a decision outcome. But I think Leon Edwards with the striking, I'm leaning towards him getting a stoppage. Okay. I love that. Let's move to the co-main, uh, a fight that I don't know how you could possibly handicap this one with Paulo Costa at minus 380, the huge favorite, though coming into this fight with a two-loss uh, losing streak, if you can call two a streak, you should get a mm. three. Uh, but still, not coming into this in top form of late. And then Luke Rockhold at plus 290, who now 37 years old, we haven't seen him in three years. Are you shocked to see him fighting? It, was it expected that some someday he'd get back in the octagon? Uh, the former champ is back, 
and he's a huge underdog uh, if you're wanting to get juicy here and take the plus 290. Yeah, this is, this is, um, it's giving me some vibes, and I haven't heard anyone say this yet, so I'm glad that I got a chance to talk to you and to put this out there. Uh, this reminds me a lot of Wei Li and Joanna. Joanna, when they fought, it was the first time that she came back from the Wei Li fight. And some of the things that you were hearing, it, I, I don't like it when a fighter is half in, half out. Not in, not in the fight game. It's uh, you're playing with your livelihood and, and your life more so than your livelihood, right? Um, the thing with Luke Rockhold is that his last couple of losses have been to absolute studs, too, right? Like there's there's always a weird dynamic, Joe. Like what happened to Cowboy Cerrone? That's like one of the saddest things in MMA, man. When you start losing to the guy coming up that's not as good, probably will never be ranked. You're like, damn, man, this guy was a legend, an icon in the game. And now he's like losing to cans in a way. Yeah. Whereas Luke Rockhold, he lost to Yal Romero. He lost to Jan Blakovic, who ended up becoming the champion in a division in which Luke had jumped up 20 pounds to fight at 205. Costa now used to fight at both of these guys used to fight at middleweight. Now they're fighting at light heavyweight. Uh, it's a big layoff. We haven't seen him. He does look in amazing shape. I've been watching some of the videos, been watching some of the embeddeds. I think Luke Rockhold is saying all the right things. He has been a little chinny in the past, and you do not want to get into a firefight with Paulo Costa. He has a lot of power and he can put anyone's lights out. Paulo Costa is also coming off a loss in which he hasn't fought in a long time. And he's been uh, a, a notorious weight misser, right? Like he doesn't make weight. He, uh, he wants to fight at catch weight. He's been, he's been seen drinking white wine or after his weigh-ins. Like this guy's a character if you follow him on social media, but this fight, I don't see going past the second round. I think the way that I'm betting this one is Paulo Costa in the first round. You could get that at a plus number. Paulo Costa by knockout as opposed to minus 380. Joe, you know how I feel minus 350 or more. I am not laying juice on that. So I'd rather try to find some value. And with the history of, of Luke Rockhold being chinny, I think Paulo Costa by knockout and Paulo Costa early is how I would play it. And then the later the fight goes, I think Luke Rockhold could get stronger in those outings because Costa is also a guy that has gas in the past too. So it's a it, it's a fight that it going the distance will would shock me. Okay, just in general, are you surprised to see Luke Rockhold fighting again? Is this something you expected when he? I mean, I guess walked away from the UFC three years ago, or is this sort of like? The Undertaker coming back to WrestleMania after not fighting all year, and and there's some kind of lore to it of, you know, you just can't believe that he's even there. The, the nostalgia part of it. First of all, the wrestling reference will always put a smile on my face. Just putting that out there right away as a wrestling fan. Uh, number two, the thing the thing with him is, uh, you know, I've gotten a chance to meet Luke Rockhold on a couple of occasions. We have some mutual friends, and he's a really cool guy. And he he does a lot of things outside the UFC, right? Uh, a big issue that fighters run across, Joe, is they don't have a plan after. It's like fighting is their life. It, it, it's their be-all, end-all. It's also their identity, right? They're known as a professional fighter. And he was doing Calvin Klein modeling. He was coaching. He was doing a lot of things that were generating money for himself. But in the end of the day, he also wants to be a fighter too. And we've talked about this in the past, how 
the 205 division is there, there's not really a dominant champion, right? Like Yuri is a champion now, but there's a lot of holes in his game. Glover was 42 years old, right? Like there's a there's a door that is opened for the 205 division that I think Rockhold, if he could get a win over a guy like Paulo Costa in a in a highlight real fashion, he could be in a title eliminator not not too far after. So these guys fighting at middleweight? Because that's where it's billed, or are they at light heavyweight? Just so I'm clear here, everything I see is that they're billed at the middleweight division. Hmm. I think if it's middleweight, then those are going to be some big boys at middleweight. I'll tell you that because I, I, yeah, it is at middleweight. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, because their their last fights were all at 205. So that's what threw me off for a loop there. Okay. These are some big weight cuts for these guys, man. And they're already, if you see some of these photos, Joe, they're already shredded. You're like, how much more weight can you cut? Yeah. So until they step on the scale, I wouldn't be surprised because these two guys have a history of having rough weight cuts. Um, when Romero fought Rockhold in Australia, he got interviewed after and he looked as if he he looked sick. It, it, people couldn't believe that he was going to fight. They were allowing him to fight. So at 185, it's going to make it even easier to be put out because these are massive weight cuts for these guys. So no chance that this fight goes the distance. I think it ends either in the first round for Costa or Rockhold can get in the second round, third round. Gotcha. Uh, let's move to the Bantamweight division. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Mirab uh, Vashvili. Val Close. You, give it to me. Devashvili. Devashvili against uh, the yeah. legend uh, Josie Aldo. This one, almost a pick of minus 130 for the favorite. Aldo at plus 110, a slight underdog. Uh, bantamweight fights, I think, are always fun. Dude's just flying around. Um, is this one you're looking forward to uh, with Aldo back in the ring? Yeah, man. This guy's a, a legend, an icon. Uh, the King of Rio is his nickname. This dude, at one point, Joe, prior to running into Conor McGregor, who I think Conor McGregor had beaten him before they even stepped into the octagon with some of his antics. That was when Conor was really on his prime and his peak with the trash talking. This guy was the pound-for-pound pound best in the world. He was beating guys and whatever their strength was. He would go out there and say, oh, Joe, you're a striker? All right, man, let me show you about striking. Oh, uh, Nick, you're you're the jiu-jitsu guy? Let me show you jiu-jitsu. So that was his, his approach. Uh, he is up there in age now. He's 35 years old. I remember when he first made the, the the jump down to 135, Joe. This is a guy that used to have hard weight cuts at 145. Usually, as you get older, you would move up a weight class because it's more difficult for you to cut weight and your diet is a little different. This guy goes down to 135 and has no problem stepping on the scale. He is a massive 135er. And he is a guy who is one of the most complete fighters of all time in the UFC. Now, is the wear and tear of some of these fights that he's had catching up to him? It hasn't, it hasn't been the case so far. He's looked really good since going down to 135. Now, Marab, on the other hand, is a cardio machine. He is a takedown machine. He's a wrestling machine. He's on a seven-fight winning streak. And this is your... This is one of the things that you love to say, striker versus grappler in every sense of the imagination. Uh, the way I would bet this fight is Jose Aldo early, first round, second round, Marab 
third round decision. Marab is a guy who in the third round looks like the fight just started. He is known for cardio. And I think if if I can have a if I was building my perfect fighter, if I could give him an A plus for something, it would be cardio. I think that is the one. It's not the wrestling, it's not the striking. A lot of fights are lost because you know guys and girls just don't have the stamina anymore. Uh, this fight is going to be a potential title eliminator. Uh, the the 135 division, Joe, is wild. You got Jan, Sterling, Dillashaw, these two. Sugar Sean, who's a fan favorite. You got so many guys in the 135 division and a lot of uh, main events coming up. You just had Cheeto Vera last week with Dominic Cruz as well. So it's it's a loaded class at 135. But this one right here, man, I think Aldo is going to get a lot of attention because of his name. And when people are going to see the plus number, it does feel a little square bet to me if you take Aldo in this, because I think Marab right now is probably the better fighter. But it's a it's a legacy thing with Aldo. So I think he's going to get just as much attention as as any fighter is on this entire card. A couple other fights uh, between the main card and the prelims. Tyson Pedro and Harry Hunsucker in the light heavyweight division. Pedro, a ma- monster favorite at minus 785 on win bet. Hunsucker at plus 520. And then in the heavyweight division, Marcin Tibera uh, against Alexander Romanov. Romanov, a minus 375 favorite against Tibera. Uh, what do you expect out of this one or either of those two? Is there anything you look at that you want to place a bet with? Yeah. The the one thing that's interesting about Tyson Pedro. So he was a guy who I don't even know if, if I would coin him as a prospect coming up, but there was a lot of popularity around him. And then uh, he just had a really gruesome knee injury in practice that took him out of the octagon for, for a couple of years. Um, the guy that he's fighting, Hunsucker, is 0-2 in the UFC, has not made it out the first round in his UFC outings. He's been finished in the first round in both. All of Tyson Pedro's wins are in the first round. Minus, what'd you say it was? Minus 785 seven, for Pedro. Yeah, like, dude, I'm not, I'm not laying minus 785 on, on prospects. Uh, he should win this. I would probably take the under one and a half at minus 365. I think that's a better bet, especially with both guys only win or lose in the first round. Okay. I don't see this fight going over that. It's plus 280 to go over the 230 mark in the second round. So I would definitely play the under at minus 365, which is wild to say because usually over-unders are like you know, minus 140, minus 160, nothing too extreme. But yeah, this is one where it's MMA, man. You you saw Tom As- Aspinall about a month ago blow out his knee just stepping back. Like crazier things have happened. So just pursue with caution with this one. But the other fight you mentioned. Tiberian the dogs Romanov. are barking, Joe. Yeah. The dogs are barking. Yeah. So this guy Romanov is undefeated. He's 13-0. I believe his nickname is King Kong. He is a, he is a house. Uh, he is a wrestler. He is known for after his fights when he gets wins, he just suplexes all of his corner. It's like a thing that they do. It's it's their tradition. Tybura is a really tough dude, man. And this is a massive step up in competition. And Tabora is one of the better takedown defensive heavyweights in the heavyweight division. Unless Romanov is the future champ and this is going to tell us that if he does just go in there and smash Tybura. I don't see a play not like that. 
Romanov gets extremely gassed after like the four minute mark in the first in the first round. So if it stays up on the feet and Tybora is a guy who can dictate the pace with his wrestling, he is also a wrestler. Dude, at plus, what is it? Plus 285. Yep. I, I've already invested in the plus 285 at a nice number. I've bet Tybura inside the distance at a nice number. I'm on the the over-under. I'm kind of, you know, because it, it could become a slop fest like a lot of heavyweight fights do tend to become sometimes. But I think unless we're having this conversation next time Romanov fights Joe and he's fighting like a top 10, top 5 guy, I'm definitely taking Tybura, man. It's a massive step up and, and, and heavyweight MMA. I like it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the heavyweight rankings, uh, Tybura at 11, Romanov at 13. So Tybura, the higher ranked fighter, despite being the monster underdog in this matchup. Um, we'll get to a winning pick and we'll put together a parlay collectively at the end. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit NFL with you. I, I want to ask in general about your Giants and whether or not you have any faith that with Brian Dable at the helm, that Daniel Jones can salvage uh, a bit of his career right now because he didn't have his fifth-year option picked up. And this is really a do-or-die situation for his tenure in New York. And yet everything you see day after day is the Giants' offense stinks. Daniel Jones can't get it going. We've seen the viral clips of the bad throws that he's made in practice. The preseason game was a bit better, but ultimately it hasn't been positive these last couple of weeks as we've really gotten going into training camp in the preseason, where are you at with your G-men this year? Just a general rule of thumb with me when it comes to preseason, I never watch a single snap. Okay. I just check the next day to make sure no one got hurt. Yep. Or if someone got hurt, that's it. Preseason to me, like the Rams, I think do it the right way. They don't play anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the Giants, it, it's, it's not looking good. Um, it, is, it is rough, right? Do I trust Dable? Yeah, I think Dable is the guy for the job, and I hope that people are patient with him. And I think he is a guy that I could see being the head coach and along with showing the GM for a very long time with New York. The problem is I have zero faith. I would say less than zero faith, if that's even possible, in Daniel Jones. Uh, from, from day one, from season one to season two, Joe, and for as long as it's been, it's the same constant mistake. And I don't think it's going to be any different because this is all that we've seen. Uh, Kenny Galladay has been a nightmare since he came over a here. A nightmare. Even Just lighting money on fire for the Giants. Yeah, man. It's so frustrating. Like There was a clip that went viral here in New York. I don't know if it like really hit mainstream media, but it was... Uh, Wandell Robinson running like this like shuttle drill and passing drill. And he's going full speed, going 100 miles per hour. And then Kenny Galladay is kind of just going through the motions. I saw that. I'm like, well, that's the difference between a kid that just got drafted and wants to make a name for himself and someone that's got $18 million per year. Um, I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better. Surprisingly, I really think the defense could be a top 10 defense. Martingdale coming over from from Baltimore. I think he has those exotic blitz packages, and the Giants have some. They got some bowlers on defense, especially in the secondary. And then if Thibodeau and Ojolari can bring the pressure off the edge, I think they're going to be fine defensively. But you know, they'll probably be working with a short field, and the Giants' offense is not going to be able to do much unless Daniel Jones is just throwing everyone off for a loop, and he's just going to unleash it come regular season time. But I'm just I'm cautiously optimistic leading towards pessimistic, I would say. Okay. 
That's a, that's a very interesting place to be in as, as, as I feel like week to week, your emotions are going to be an absolute roller coaster. Um, let's talk about the Eagles in that division. I know it pains you to say, we've talked about it a bit on this show and then just, just side conversations away from the show off the mic, but we're both bullish on the Eagles. I know that pains you as a Giants fan, but the table is set for this team to offer tremendous value in the futures market. I've already collected uh, a 25 to one uh, Eagles future to win the Super Bowl. Um, I am all in on this team. You know, if you're talking player props, you can get uh, AJ Brown at 20 to one to lead the NFL in receiving. I think he's going to be a target monster. Jalen Hurts looked good in the first preseason game. You don't want to overreact too much. But again, if you can just take another step forward to where he's a top half of the league quarterback, this should be one of the best offenses in all of football. They were the most efficient running team in the game last year with their trio of Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott. Their passing game is loaded with Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, and Devontae uh, Smith. The defense should be much improved. I love the Eagles. I'm all in. I think there's value across the board. Pick them to win the division, pick them to win the conference, pick them to win the Super Bowl. I'm in. Where are you with this team? And is it painful for you to look at them as maybe the uh, the wild card in the, in the NFC that really is wide open behind the Packers, Bucks, and Rams? Yeah, I personally would exclude the Packers from that list. I think it's just Bucks and Rams, and then there's a tier below. Like they're they're the cream of the crop in the NFC. Uh, Joe, I'm very um, I like to think, and I know it's weird when you talk about yourself, but I feel like I'm very honest when it comes to my favorite teams. Now, it doesn't pain me when my teams are bad, and I talk about teams that I hate, like Philly. You know, I don't expect the Giants to be a Super Bowl contender. That's why I'm more bullish on the Eagles. I think the Eagles should be the favorite in the East. We've spoke about that in the past. I think unless Jalen Hurts completely is just a fantasy football kind of player where you love him on your fantasy team, but you can't really win in the NFL, I think they're going to be fine. And it's so frustrating how sometimes you hear people break down like a young quarterback and then they always leave out that they weren't playing with a lot of talent around them. Devontae Smith was a rookie last year and he had some growing pains. Uh, Dallas Goddard until Zach Ertz got let go and he went to Arizona. That's when he really became tight on one over there. I think they might have the best offensive line in the league. Philadelphia, they always seem to find these guys that become just staples on their offensive line. They finally got a real legitimate top 10 wide receiver to pair across from Devontae Smith, who now I always felt like he'll be an amazing number two wide receiver in the league. And now you'll get to see him flourish in that role. And their defense, they got a lot of playmakers. Like they stole James Bradbury from the Giants. And James Bradbury has been amazing with the Giants. It's just that they're winning four games a year and the Giants they didn't want to pay him $15 million to bring him back because they're rebuilding. So I think Philly is Philly is my dark horse to win the the whole thing. Um I think they can they can even I made a bet at 40 to 1, Joe, that they're gonna have the best record in the NFL. Wow. So I'm I'm like very it. I'm I'm very high on, on on the Eagles. Um I also don't bet favorites. You know, I don't do favorites, I don't do big favorites. So I like to try to find some value there. But yeah, man, we've we've spoke on here, we've spoken the uh you know, side conversations like we feel the same way, man. Anything that your audience has heard about you talk about the Eagles, they it has my cosign. Yeah, I I'm not a big Favorites guy either. I just I just prefer the lottery ticket, you know, for the entertainment value. And the the ones I've put in are the Chargers at fourteen, uh, the Eagles now at twenty five, the uh, and then the Colts and Vikings at thirty to one. 
are the four Super Bowl tickets I have that uh, I'm excited to watch all season long. Um, are you much of like a season long player props guy? We talk about passing yards, passing TDs. To me, those are just too much of dart throws to where all it takes is one injury or one guy to come out of nowhere. You know, I guess that's maybe the more the opportunity to go for long shots. If you do like AJ Brown to lead the league in receiving 20 to one, you can get it there or DJ Moore alongside him in Carolina. I don't really touch those markets because they feel too random, but I'm curious if you do or if you've put any, any tickets in there. Yeah. Look, so here's the thing about player props, right? When you're, you know, passing leader, receiving leader, they're sucker bets. But as long as you know that they're sucker bets, that's they're fair. a good time, right? They are like, a good it's time. Cool. Come, yeah, dude. Last year at fifty to one, I bet Joe Burrow to lead the league in passing, right? And he's like in the teens the whole time. And then come week seventeen, he's like third because he had that wild. He put up twelve hundred yards in the last three games, and you're like, oh my god, you know, this has some life, yeah. Right. So they become fun come November, December. You're like, oh, you know, maybe your fantasy team has you know, tank, right? But you're like, oh, A.J. Brown maybe might lead the league in receiving yards. So as long as we're on the same page and we know that these are basically donations and that's why the lights get kept on in Vegas, it's it's a fun time, right? But I, I love I love futures, man. I love... It's cool to just monitor. A lot of them are nice payouts, right? So, you know, throw 10, 20 bucks on something and it just gives you something to monitor the whole season. Do you have any others that you've put in you want to go, go through on this show or should we save them uh, as the season gets closer? Man, I have one that I made back in like April when it first came up was CD Lamb to lead the league in receiving. What'd you get it at? I got it at 20. I, it's already cut in now, half. Talk about value. It's a 10 it's to 1 cut, now. Yeah, about a month ago when I was telling some of my friends and I was putting tweets out, it was at 15 to 1. Now it's at 10 to 1. And it's just, I, I felt like it was the most obvious one. Right? He gets his quarterback back, which a lot of the other guys in this mix have left their quarterback, right? Devontae is not with Rodgers anymore. Tyreek's not with Mahomes. Uh, yeah, you got Jeff- Justin Jefferson with Kirk Cousins, and I think that's a, that's a great pick too. Uh, Cooper Cup, it's hard to do what you did last year, right? Like that's literally never happened before. They bring Allen Robinson in, who I think he's going to have a monster season. And, you know, DJ Moore has like never really been a big yards guy. And now you have Baker Mayfield there. So the thing that I liked about CeeDee Lamb was the opportunity. There's no Amari Cooper. He left to go to Cleveland. Michael Gallup is going to be out until about what? November. They lost Cedric Wilson, who we spoke about in the past. It just seemed like this guy, anytime he was stepping in for one of the injured Cowboys receivers, he would have a touchdown or a hundred yards. And there's just massive opportunities for him to get the floor 11 targets a game and he lines up in the slot a lot and Dak and him have amazing kind of history. And also like it's the year three leap, like these elite wide receivers in the league, you always look at that third or fourth year for them, but it's mostly the third where they enter that top five, top three wide receiver. And I think CD lamb is, is probably my favorite one of, of the bunch. I'm going to need you to put some respect on DJ Moore's name, 1100 yards in the last three seasons, each with just absolute horrific quarterback play. I don't know if I like him here because Baker's never been a super volume passer and Christian McCaffrey is back healthy, but need you to put some respect on DJ Moore's name. Who is, who has had success despite just a dearth of quarterback play in Carolina. I sort of like, I mean, I've mentioned it now multiple times. If A.J. Brown can stay healthy, which is 
the biggest if of his career. Right. I sort of like him at 20 to one because I believe in that Eagles offense and how, and how high powered I expect it to be. And I have a lot of respect for Devonte Smith, but, but AJ Brown is the a one guy there. Um, let's really quickly move on. Uh, I, I want to get you going here as we've uh, gone beyond the 30 minute mark real quick. A promo win bets, bet 50 win $200 promo is still running New WinBet users can receive 200 bucks in free bets after you make your first qualifying deposit and place your first bet on WinBet. Once your bet is settled, you'll receive four installments of $50 free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. Moving on to the winning pick time. I'm three and two. I started off with a three uh, bet winning streak, lost my last two on first 500. So I'm ditching baseball and going to UFC 278 and I'm going to the bullpen and I'm bringing in uh, Nick Dayas, are you a righty or a lefty? Which way we are you a righty? I'm a righty. I'm a, You're righty. a righty. We're going to the righty for some assistance <laughs> here, and let's build uh, ourselves. I don't want to go too outrageous. It doesn't have to be a lottery ticket, but one that we feel good about uh, in plus money. I'm bringing up win bet right now. We're going to put it together. Uh, give let's let's build a two, three, four leg top uh, parlay. That's going to be our winning pick that we are going to cash on Saturday night for UFC. 278 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Where are we starting, sir? So, Joe, let me ask you this before before I give you it. Okay. Right? Yeah. Do you want do you want people do you want people sending in tweets on, on a on a wild parlay that we hit? Do you want to do you want to make some headlines or do you want to just you know you want to just cash this ticket? It's it's up to you, man. Because I got one for each. Let let's cash the ticket. Let's cash the ticket. All right. And then I and then we're gonna okay. end. With the one that's gonna get us uh, on the Action Network because because we cashed you know a hundred to one or whatever you put together and concocted over there in your apartment. Okay, all right. So I got a three to one. Uh, it's it's basically we don't care who wins the fights. We just want the fights to play out with these props, right? So Costa and Rockhold to end by knockout. The okay, fight to end by knockout minus one forty. Okay. Aldo and Marab over two and a half. So let's get to the 229 mark in the third round. Yep. Minus 220. And then let's get over four and a half rounds, Usman and Leon at minus 160. It's plus 305. I feel really confident in that. I think Costa and Rocco, like we said, two guys that like to throw punches. It's not going to hit the mats unless a guy is flat on their back. Okay. So that's the that's the one where you know if you want to just cash a ticket, let's cash it. So we have Rockhold uh, and Costa to end by knockout, and then essentially mm -hmm. Usman and Edwards, as well as the Aldo fight to go the distance. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Or if there's a stoppage, it's like a minute left in each of those last rounds. Okay, I love that, and that's now, at what plus three oh eight. You said plus three oh five. Plus three oh five. All right, that is the winning pick. Uh, that will go on record. Now, for Nick Day is the lottery ticket special. What do you got? All right. Now, now if we want to get if we want to get the tweets, show, if we want to get the tweets, which is, you know, we're trying we're trying to build trying to build something. We're trying to get these tweets. I'm gonna stay with the knockout in the Costa Rockhold minus okay. 140. We're gonna go with Marcin Tybora plus 285. And we're going to go with Leon Edwards plus 290 and new at the end of the night plus 2474 is the payout there. Two dogs. 
and a new champion. Three legs, Rockhold and Costa to end in a knockout. Ty Burra at plus 285 to win. Leon Edwards in the main event and new UFC welterweight champion defeating the Nigerian Nightmare. That's at 310. And the total odds one more time, Nick Dayas. 2474. 2474. We like that. That's nice and juicy. Let's do it. Nick, I love Let's it, man. It. I'm going to go put those in. Thank you, as always, uh, for your time, man. I love chopping it up. And congratulations again on the move. I know moving is a pain in the ass, but I can't wait to get you out here uh, and kick it here in Las Vegas, man. It's going to be a great time. Uh, thanks for the insight. Enjoy the fights. We'll be talking, and there's going to be much to discuss on Monday on the other side of 278. Thanks, man. Sounds good, Joe. Can't wait to be out there, and we'll chat soon, man. Love it. That's Nick Davis. I'm Joe Fan. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll see you on the other side right here on Bet to Win. <laughs> 